is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Man, I sure do love that intro. It's pretty good. Hey everybody, my name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead number 64 for Monday, December the 5th. 2011. Thank you once again for joining us. We don't have a new episode to talk about. Nope. But we do have lots of other good stuff to talk about, including some Walking Dead news, lots of listener feedback, and a few holy crap, did you see that moments that people have sent in. I think uh, Dave did a pretty good thing on uh, on Facebook the other day. He was uh, saying, how are you going to spend your first Walking Dead free Sunday? How did you spend your first Walking Dead free Sunday? I spent it playing Assassin's Creed Brotherhood. Oh, good for you. <laughs> Which I've been doing a lot of lately. I don't think I did anything. I think we just kind of hung out on the couch and, and uh, stared at the TV. Well, I do that a lot too, but... but I don't I've... even know what we watched. Oh, well, maybe you were asleep. Maybe you were making out with your wife and you don't remember it. Jeez, I think I'd remember that. <laughs> you, you, I would hope so. Anyways. <laughs> I would think know. so. Uh yeah, I was playing Assassin's Creed Brotherhood. It's a game I started many months ago, then put away for a while, and now I'm totally back into it, and I love it. Yeah, I and love... as soon as you finish it, there's a brand new one you can play. I love all those Assassin's Creed games. Yeah, yeah they're great. So, Revelations, I'm going to do that. I've got a lineup of three or four Xbox games that I want to get to. So Me too. Very excited. But, as I was saying, we've got some Walking Dead news, listener feedback, and some holy crap, did you see that? Before we get to any of that, though, there's a couple of things I want to talk about. And the first is what we're going to be doing for the next few couple of months, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are recording right now. We of are. Of course, we are. You pressed record, right? I sure did. Okay, good. <laughs> Just check it, making sure. Wouldn't be the first time. <laughs> um, but uh, in we're going to take next week off. Yep. And then the week after that, which is Sunday the, I don't know, 19th or something like that. You don't have a calendar in front of you? Well, I, I do, but whatever. Sunday the 19th. Nope, Sunday the, Monday the 19th. We don't record on Sundays. No, we don't. What? Monday the 19th. <laughs> Keep me straight, man. Monday the 19th, we're going to record our long-awaited review of the novel Rise of the Governor, mm-hmm. if I can remember anything about the book by then, but I think I will. Oh, yeah. So if any listeners out there have read or listened to the book and you have any thoughts or comments, send them in. We like phone calls. We like emails. We'll incorporate your feedback about the book into that episode of the podcast. That'd be great. I think that would be really fun because uh, I think there's lots of fun stuff to talk about with that book as well. Oh, yeah. Lots of good stuff in there. Um, and then in January, after that episode on the 19th, I think we're going to take the holidays off until sometime in January, maybe the second week of january sure be off for nearly a month i hope everyone can handle that the ninth uh the ninth well yeah that's two weeks off and then come back on the ninth i'm good i'm good with that yeah me too um we will do what i want to do is a listener prediction show so today we're kind of doing a listener feedback show right that one i want to be listener predictions so what's going to happen next what you think is going to happen next in the second half of season two or even beyond i don't care what your time frame is just if you've got some thoughts and ideas of what we might see in the show what's going to happen send them in and we'll get those on the show too oh i have i've already got some thoughts well good keep keep those on the down low for now yep. and we will get to them on january 9th i will try and remember them did you say 9th Yes. All nice. right. Write them down. Make notes. You've got a you've got a pocket computer there that you carry around everywhere with you. Put them in there. Generally, yeah. <laughs> uh, 
Um, but again, if you've got some thoughts or uh, comments for predictions, get those into us. You know, if you're sitting around the, the table at, over the holidays, you're eating dinner with your family and your friends, and suddenly you'll be talking about The Walking Dead, I assume, because who wouldn't be who, really? Who wouldn't uh, with family over dinner? Absolutely. And if something comes to you all of a sudden, get that in. Pick, take out your phone, give us a call, record it on the voicemail line. It's not rude to uh, include uh, absent parties in conversations if uh, if you're texting. It's 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 socially acceptable. It's becoming <clears throat> socially acceptable. Yeah, I learned that somewhere that they're part of they're remotely part of the gathering. That's right. In in today's day and age. Yeah. So it's not rude to include somebody uh, in a conversation that is not physically there. <laughs> or connected directly with you in any way other than through the phone or whatever yeah. so yeah bring us in we'll make us part of the conversation and become part of the conversation and uh, send in your feedback very exciting listener prediction show on january 9th after that um maybe one more before season two resumes should we have awards awards for people that get things right <laughs> we'll figure that out That'd be fun. That that would be really fun. I think we come up with a list of predictions uh, that people make, and uh, if they're right, they get a prize. Okay. Well, good. Throw that out there. Yeah, I mean, Why it can't not? be things like, uh, I think uh, Shane's going to fire a weapon of some kind at a zombie and get a headshot. That's kind of, it's got to be plot related. It can't it, just be incidental stuff. Okay. If we do this, it's completely at our discretion. Let's say that. Okay, perfect. <laughs> we just make it up as we go along like we usually do. There you go. Speaking of at our discretion, on the Facebook page, our Facebook page a few days ago, we had our 500th like, which is very exciting. That's half a thousand. It sure is. Um, I noticed we were at 480-something, so I put a post there and said, hey, everybody, let's see if we can get 500. And look, they did. The 500th like was someone named Francis. So thank you very much for becoming number 500. That's great. No one has unliked us since then because we're still sitting at 500. That's nice. I'm also exactly happy about that. Exactly 500? Exactly, yeah. That's scary, actually. Maybe I should take a screenshot. and It's like when you take a screenshot of your car rolling over to 1,000 miles or kilometers. So you challenged uh, everybody on Facebook to get us to 500 likes. And then once that happened, everybody that went, oh, I was going to like you. But then uh, you know, Chris said just 500, so that's fine. Well, I, I did thank everyone for doing that. And then I said the next milestone is 1,000. Right. So don't stop liking now. Um, we want to get to 1,000. We do. The other thing we want to do, and this, this just occurred to me right before the recording of the show, you know, haven't thought it through all the way, but our friends over at the Walking Dead cast, Jason and Karen, um, have 792 likes on mm-hmm. Facebook. They're, they're great, great folks, good podcast. If you haven't checked them out, you should go do so. Having said that, I want to have more Facebook likes than that. That would be nice. You know, I think, fun. I think I'm throwing this out here right now. It's just a little friendly um, Facebook like competition with those two over there. And, and you know, they don't know we're doing this until they listen, if they listen to this. And I, I guess if they do, they'll find out and probably have some thoughts on it. But what I'd like everyone to do is if you've already liked us on Facebook or you or you listen and you haven't, please go and do so. But if you already have, you know, and you're sitting around that table at Christmas or over the holidays, and uh, your parents are there, and your relatives and your cousins, and they're all on Facebook because there's 800 million people on Facebook, so everyone is. Generally, yeah. Tell them to go like us too. That's right. And you know, your whole <clears throat> life, uh, you always hear the phrase, it's not a popularity contest. This is a popularity oh, contest. absolutely. Yeah, this, Com- this, is, uh, this is where it's completely <laughs> appropriate for it to be a popularity contest. Appropriate, and there's no denying that that's exactly what this is. 
um, yeah, just want to have more likes than them. But I really like them too. So, you yeah. know, it's all in good fun and it's all friendly. If you want to like them too, hey, why not? Did, have you liked them? Have you, uh, have you actually liked them on Facebook? I sure hope so. Yeah. I'm not sure that I've liked uh, the, you know, us on Facebook. I'm pretty sure I've liked them. And if you haven't liked us, go do that. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to do that. And then I'm going to check that out. Get your mom too and get your wife too and everybody. My mom's not on Facebook. Really? Really. She's not one of the 800 not million. Not on Facebook. Huh, okay. I'm not even entirely sure she knows what <clears throat> Facebook is. She's heard of it. But I'm not entirely sure that she knows exactly what the deal is. My mom, for the record, is not on Facebook either. She just spies at uh, spies on people through my dad's Facebook account. So it's a little creepy. I'm thinking of unfriending my dad. Because of it? Yeah. And it, as a protest until she gets her own account. Do you know your dad's password for his Facebook account? Um, can, can you hack there's it? There's a good chance I could guess it, but no, I don't. You should change it. <laughs> That'll teach him. That'd be funny. Uh, anyhow, so one last thing on this. If we do get more likes than uh, the Walking Dead cast, I'm going to figure out who the person is that puts us in front of them, um, no matter what the numbers are at the time, Yep. and that person will win a prize. Uh, and the prize I have is a Dale hat. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, it's it's branded the Walking Dead, of course, but it's the hat that Dale wears on the show. So. D- Dale's hat in the show is not branded <clears throat> the Walking Dead. No, that would be a little too meta. That's a little self-referential. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. Uh, this one is, but it's the same style of hat. I don't know what kind of hat that is. Uh, yeah. Anyways, I have one of those hats to give away. So if you're the person that pushes us... Uh, past the Walking Dead cast, which is currently sit, they are currently sitting at seven ninety two, so we got a long way to go. Yeah. Um, then uh, you get a Dale hat, and if it never happens, well, we'll find another way to give away the Dale. hat. You know what kind of hat it is? A Dale hat? No, it's a Gilligan hat. It's just the rim is flipped down. If you flip the oh. rim up, it's a Gilligan hat. Added bonus: Gilligan hat slash Dale hat. That's right. Very good. Okay, let's uh, get into the Walking Dead news. <laughs> The Walking Dead News. All right, quickly, the uh, ratings from last week, the mid-season finale, pretty much dead already, are in. It had 6.62 million viewers. That's up, up, right? Up a good chunk uh, with a 3.5 rating. Just as a quick comparison there, season the season two premiere uh, had 7.6, uh, 7.26 million viewers. So still down from the premiere, but not significantly. I would like to see an infographic on this information. Yeah. You know, just like you plot this along the uh, on a graph, right? And then you plot last year's episodes on a graph. Mm-hmm. And then you plot like the Mad Men on a graph. And you you know, you put a whole bunch of stuff on there and just, just to have a one one big visual infographic on the on the ratings. I'd well, like to see that. Just and just for reference, you could have like Monday Night Football on there that's like a skyscraper compared to these. That's right. But you're right, that's a good idea. I should do that. I know Excel. I can draw a chart in, in Excel. See? Get on that, man. All right, I'll work on the infographic. Something to do over the holidays. Yeah. <clears throat> Last week's AMC Talking Dead show came in with 1.06 million and a 0.6 rating. So they're kind of holding steady, too. They are. Um, yeah, there you go. Okay, next item in the news. And this item is rather spoilery. So if you're not cool with that, um, you might want to skip ahead, but SpoilerTV.com has some information on new characters that Ooh. we are going to see in episodes 8, 9, 10, and maybe beyond. So if you don't want to hear about them, go ahead. But for those of you that do, here are the details. Um, 
Now, IMDb, before we get into the Spoiler TV article, IMDb lists a character named Tony in episode 8, which is the next episode, Nebraska, after right. the break. It's Tony Nebraska. That's his name. Tony Nebraska? Yeah. That's a good name. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> and apparently, Tony is played by Aaron Munoz, or Munoz, M-U-N-O-Z. Munoz? M- yeah. Munoz? I am not sure. There is... Um, there's a picture of him. He hasn't been in a lot of other stuff, but that's Tony. Now, Spoiler TV says in episode nine, and they they found this information from some casting calls that were put out there. Right. Episode nine is looking for a character, Dave, 30 to 45 years old, male, any ethnicity. He's a charming, friendly guy from a city in the Northeast. He's the kind of guy you'd like to have a beer with and has probably spent a significant amount of time in low-rent bars. He's able to disarm with a smile, but can quickly turn dangerous. And he's a guest star. Nice. That sounds like me, except for the hanging out in bars. It kind of sounds like our buddy Dave. 30 to 45, male, any ethnicity, charming, friendly guy from a city in the Northeast. Yeah, disarm with a smile, hanging out in low-rent bars. Well, absolutely. (laughs) Maybe not so much anymore, but I'm sure there was a day. Oh, yeah, there there was a day. Um, Spoiler TV coincidentally, also lists a character named Tony. Okay. 25 25 to 35, male, any ethnicity, heavyset character, Dave's younger friend with whom he is traveling. Tony is quick-tempered and doesn't present himself as intelligent as Dave. He likes women and food and guns. He is from a city in the Northeast, also a guest star. Hmm. So now they list these guys for episodes 9, Right. And IMDb has Tony in episode eight. So it's probably the same character. Probably. And frankly, Aaron, who is listed on IMDb, does look to be a heavy set kind of dude. Is he 25 to 35? Definitely. Okay. So, is he any ethnicity? Uh, he is. Oh, great. He's any ethnicity. <laughs> he He's fits the bill them. perfectly. He does. Um, so there are two people that I guess they encounter pretty soon, uh, pretty soon after the show comes back. Right, so we're going to have some comic relief. We're going to have the smart guy and the dumb guy who likes guns. (laughs) That's right. Women, food, and guns. Yeah. There you go. Or of mice and men type thing where they're going to have to shoot him because he's just too dumb to live. (laughs) I'm sorry. You're too dumb to live. (laughs) Finally, in episode 10, uh, Spoiler TV says that Randall will be coming along. 19 to 20-year-old male, a skinny, earnest southern kid with a slight southern accent who is thrown into a set of unusual circumstances given what has happened in our world. Actor must have a deep well of emotions to access with the ability to project fragility, inexperience, and ultimately strength and courage. This is not a handsome Hollywood leading man. Guest star recurring for four episodes. Hmm. There you go. So Michael Sarah. <laughs> really? Well, Zombieland. <clears throat> Well, funny you mentioned Zombieland because apparently an actor has been cast. Now, this wasn't on IMDb. Spoiler TV uh, let me know or posted this, that Michael Zegan from Rescue Me, Boardwalk Empire, and Adventureland uh, is going to be oh, playing yeah. this character. That's right. We heard about that before. Did we? We There was a mention of that guy from Zombieland, or not from Zombieland, from... Uh, Adventureland. Uh, Adventureland, Rescue Me. Yeah, he was I, in Rescue Me. We we talked about this before. I have a feeling we might have, and it may. I don't remember where it came up uh, from, and I don't know if remember at the time if we knew his character name or those details. No, we just knew that he was gonna. He may <coughs> appear in the show. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so this is. Uh, I would say that this is a true fact. 
a true fact. That's right. As opposed to uh, a false fact. False fact. Or a factoid. There you go. So we've got Tony, Dave, and Randall showing up in the presumably the first three episodes when we come back. Hmm. So they're moving on. It seems to be. None of these characters are named Tyrese or Michonne or... Not a, not a single one of them is named these. Or anything like that. Um, but presumably we're going to get to those characters at some point. Not that it matters because this is the TV show, not the comic. That's right. All right. That, that's good. <clears throat> that's exciting stuff. No, it is good. I'm, I'm all for it. I'm all for it. You know, throwing in these new characters to throw off the viewers a little bit so we all don't think we're so smart and know what's going on all the time. Mm-hmm. That's nothing wrong with that. The Walking Dead has been nominated for a Satellite Award. Ooh. The International Press Academy announced today uh, their nominees for the 2011 Saturn Awards. And The Walking Dead was honored with a nod in the television series colon genre category. <laughs> the colon genre? <laughs> Ooh. That's gross. <laughs> I suppose that's not exactly what you want. Well, your punctuation on an audio-only uh, you know, program is... It's difficult, <laughs> and sometimes it can be confusing. Well, I wanted to indicate that, you know, there's probably television series comedy, yeah. and there's television series colon genre. So there you go. Okay, you said it right that time, because it's not the colon, you know, comedy colon <laughs> genre. <laughs> Other nominees in this category are Game of Thrones, True Blood, Once Upon a Time, Torchwood and American Horror Story. So oh. up against some pretty good shows there, yeah. except for Game of Thrones. Yeah. <laughs> Ow. Dave's going to hurt us for that. Yeah, I know. Um, so good luck to The Walking Dead in that category. We would love to see another award uh, win for the show there. Now, the last item before we get to listener feedback, there has been a ton of just crazy interviews lately because we've gone on hiatus. So everyone's talking to publications and Kirkman's out there and the actors are out there. and Building hype. They're building hype, exactly. So I pulled a bunch of quotes. Instead of going through every uh, um, interview, I just pulled some quotes that I thought were good from a few of them. I didn't even make a note of where they're from. But here, uh, here's what I got. Norman Reedus said, The second half is just crazy. People are done talking. When we come back, trust me, there's nothing but fireworks. Uh, well, I pulled that because one of the big complaints that I saw about the first half of this season is that people thought it was way too talky. It was pretty talky. I mean, there were, uh, you know, not a lot of walkie, just too much talky. Yes. <laughs> so now they're going to get walkie. Right. Walkie and head splitty, maybe. I don't know. Uh, but I... It's important for this kind of show to have those periods of uh, respite. Just kind of like, you know, we found a nice place... Let's try and make a life here, and then everything goes to hell. Right? Well, yeah. And that's kind of the nature of this kind of, or the nature of the of the comic, anyway. So uh, I, I'm not opposed to it being a little talky for a few episodes. No, frankly, it doesn't bother me. And the more, you know, they the more they establish that sense of um, safety or whatever, the more impact the horrific moments tend to have. Yeah. Right? We were at this farm for a long time, and people said, God, nothing's happening. All they're doing is standing around bitching or going out to look for Sophia frivolously. And then at the end of episode seven, when she comes out of the barn and they have to kill all those zombies and then shoot her in the face, that was pretty effective. It was pretty effective. And even if, uh, you know, if they showed up at the farm and, uh, you know, in, in the you know, first time they showed up at the farm and they're walking around, it's like, oh, a barn full of zombies, bam, 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 bam. You know, there's no 
emotional impact to that. It's just like, oh, we found more zombies. We're going to shoot them. You know, that, that's going to get old real fast. It you, will. You know, you move into an area, a bunch of zombies shoot them. Move into an area, a bunch of zombies shoot them. Uh, so, this, you know, having more emotional interaction, it uh, it gives it way more impact. Yeah, there's there's got to be more stuff going on than just shoot some zombies and keep going. Yeah, wait right? till we get some get to the uh, shoot some people <laughs> and keep going and have to yeah I ha- we have to shoot some people to move on. Yeah, that'll be crazy. Yeah. Chandler Riggs said, "There's a scene coming up in which I ask Daryl if I can shoot the crossbow, and he tells Carl to go pester his father." That scene was really cool for me because that was the first time Carl has ever spoken to Daryl. There's another scene later on with a walker, too, that was fun. So it sounds like Carl's going to get some action coming up soon. That sounds like fun. And by action, I mean weapon and zombie action. Mm -hmm. Or Daryl action, I don't know. (laughs) That's right, he hasn't really interacted with Daryl. No, not at all. The the question that the interviewer asked him here, I think, was, are there any of the actors that you haven't had a scene with that you really would like to? And, of course, Daryl was the one that he mentioned first. I think he's had scenes with most of the other ones. Right. um, But Daryl's always off doing his own thing, and so it should be fun for Chandler. Robert Kirkman says, Moving forward, we're going to be doing things that will be reminding the audience that this is definitely a television show where anything goes and not to take anything for granted. Mm Mm-hmm. These characters could do anything at any time. Rick and Lori splitting off for the betterment of their children and safety of their family is definitely a possibility. Splitting off? Uh, yes, splitting off as a family and going out on their own. Really? No. That would be he, interesting. He doesn't really mean this. I think he's just using this as an example of something insane that you wouldn't imagine is coming that we might do. Right. Right? He's does, there's no way Rick and Lori and Carl are going to split off and go on their own. Well, that'd be kind of silly. It, it it seems like it would be. If everyone else is dead and they're all that's left, that's different. That would be cool. <laughs> that would be awesome. Well, I mean, the uh, <clears throat> uh, there was a family in the first season that split off. Yeah, the the Moraleses. Yeah, the Moraleses. They left. Yeah. So maybe the uh, uh, the Grimes will leave. Well, maybe. and that'll be the end of that. And Shane will be in charge, and you know, like Charles in charge, and. And they'll have, uh, you know, it'll be a happy day. I can see our characters getting split up temporarily, you yeah. know, being in different places. Like maybe they go out hunting and get stuck or whatever. Um, or they specifically go somewhere to do something. Like, you know, that happens in the comic all the time. Yep. I could see that happening. But I don't think we're ever going to just lose track of one group of characters or follow no. one and not the other ones. You know, we're going to stick. We've got our core group here and they're either going to continue going on or they're going to be killed in some horrible way. Right. Finally, Robert Kirkman also said, we're not going to be doing any big time jumps, whether we lose a day, hour, or if it picks up in the very minute after the scene. And he's talking about the next episode. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't want to give away too early, but there's not going to be any massive time jump this season. Right. So we're and- not going to f- jump <clears throat> forward or back. We might, between season two and three have a big time jump don't know but we're not going to lose any time in this this season well we kind of got that feeling on the on the next time on mm-hmm. uh video uh, footage that they showed that was pretty much immediately following what happens at the barn so we we kind of knew that that at least you know this mid-season finale and this this break that they're taking is not going to include a time jump and they rarely do time jumps between episodes Rarely. I mean, it's not unheard of, right? So we could get three episodes or four and then a time jump and have two more, but it's pretty unlikely. Right. And he just said it's not going to happen. So, yeah. 
Um, who knows what will happen in the future, but at least we're not going to have any crazy time jumps before then. Uh, one of the things we're going to have to worry about potentially is, you know, Carl getting too old too fast. Yeah, well, Chandler getting old too old <clears throat> uh, too fast. Sorry, Chandler, yeah. Yeah, because we had that issue in Lost, right? If they don't do a time jump, you know, kids, they tend to look older real quick. Yeah, they do. And, you know, especially girls. Which is maybe what they were thinking when they oh, killed gotta, off Sophia. Get rid of that Sophia. Yeah, let's put her in. She'll be great. It's a good storyline, but you know she's just gonna get, you know, become a teenager way too fast. Yeah, Madison's so. just way too aging. <laughs> she's getting too old, man. We got to get rid of her. Getting too old for this. <laughs> uh, all right, that's it for the news. If you have any comments or questions, send in your emails or phone calls. We'll get them on a future show. Now it's time for all the good listener feedback. Listener feedback. So I have done very little editing of comments for for time this time. Okay. Time. Uh, Not that I generally edit the stuff very much, but sometimes I take out a paragraph or just kind of get to the point a little bit for to keep it short. Mash two words together. Yeah, exactly. Stuff stuff like that. Um, This time I did a little bit of that, but not as much. So some of the emails and so on are a little bit longer than usual, but hopefully that's okay. Uh, But before we get to emails, we've got some calls. This one from Jason in Pennsylvania on why Otis was okay with uh, shooting walkers with Shane. Hey, guys, this is Jason from Western Pennsylvania, and I was just uh, calling in, number one, to say thank you for what you're doing. Um, It is is great to be able to fill my ears with some good Walking Dead uh, podcast and discussion and and reaction, so that's, that's really good. And uh, I really appreciate the time that you guys put into that. So thank you. Um, also, no one seems to mention it, but this was, you know, with the whole in the whole walkers in a barn kind of kind of storyline that Otis was the guy that was doing it. He was the guy that was gathering up these zombies before he was kind of offed by Shane. But no one really mentions the fact that during that whole sequence when they went to go get the get the medicine that. You know he's he's shooting them up with the best of them. I mean he's uh, he's uh, he's walking along with 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 Shane, just just blowing brains away. Um, you know what what where, where's he going? Is he just respecting Herschel's wishes? Is is he does he not care if he doesn't know the zombie? Then it's you know it's dead to him. Uh, and uh, I, I don't know. Just want to know what you guys think about that. And uh, once again, thanks. And we'll talk to you guys later. Bye. So interesting point there. Yeah, I agree. <clears throat> you know, it's something that hadn't occurred to me either. If if Herschel and everyone at that at that farm thinks, well, they're these people are still alive, we've got to save them, they're not really dead, we can cure them. It doesn't seem like Otis really shared that feeling. No, I don't either. Uh they didn't think of it. Or yeah. Otis uh really didn't <coughs> necessarily agree. Yeah, which we never really had time to find out, I guess. Yeah. But he was the one you know, apparently wrangling the zombies into the barn. But he was also the one who was, you know, had seem, seemingly had no trouble going out and shooting them all down when they were at the FEMA shelter. He probably was out there looking for, uh, you know, when they ran across a couple of uh, walkers that they may or may not know, and, you know, say there's three or four of them, it's like, I, I know you, I don't know you, pow! I know you, don't know you, <laughs> bang! And that was it, right? I'll so, only shoot my non-friends. That's right. <laughs> Um, Which is how you should live your life anyway, really. Yes, don't shoot your friends. Don't shoot the ones you love. (laughs) Love the ones you shoot. That's right. (laughs) 
anyways, it's an interesting point. I, I don't know if we'll ever really get any more information on that. But Actually, the real quote would be, if you can't shoot the ones you love, love the ones you shoot. <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> just, to, just to be perfectly clear. Close enough. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. This call comes from Shannon in West Virginia. Hi, I'm Shenandoah from West Virginia. I just wanted to comment on all this controversy about Maggie uh, calling Lori's pills abortion pills. I was under the impression uh, that calling them wasn't a like a social editorial or even an editor's mistake. I mean, it could be just part of Maggie's personality, like calling something like cigarettes, like calling them coffin nails, like to the extreme, um, calling something like that. Or maybe she just doesn't know the difference between the two. Um, this last note is that I really enjoy the podcast. Y'all entertain me every Tuesday morning at work, and um, that your opening theme and everything, that just so rocks. It fits your theme, your personalities. It's great. All right, and um, that's all. And bye from Charleston, West Virginia. Well, thank you very okay. much, Shannon. I, I hope I got your name right. It was a little hard to understand at the beginning there, so please forgive me if, I, if I'm if i mistaken. But thanks for the kind words. And, yeah, I mean, Maggie's, you know, cigarettes are nails for your coffin. It's the same kind of thing, maybe. Yeah, I think she was upset at the time. Clearly. And, uh, she may have <clears throat> been, uh, you know, using the most hurtful term she could come up with for what she had in her hand. Right. So, yeah, I absolutely agree with you. Abortion pills. I mean, that's that's pretty, you know, harsh right there. It is pretty harsh, and you know. she said it very loud. <laughs> Maggie did? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, she wanted other people to hear it. So, yeah, absolutely. This could have been just uh, her using a term that was specifically designed to be hurtful. Yeah. Rather than truthful. Or, as we prove, have proven over the last few weeks, before this all happened, I had never really considered the difference between, I guess, abortion pills and morning after pills either. Frankly, That's right. it had it had just never come up in my daily life. Well, who says pop culture pop culture can't educate you? Well, no, that's why we do this, right? That's right. To so educate. we can learn the difference between, you know, the morning after pills and uh, pills that cause in abortions. To educate the masses. Uh, all right. Or, finally, anything else? Or at least ourselves. Or at least ourselves. Yeah. yeah. Um. Finally here, Carl from the UK, who has emailed and called before, sent us this clip. Now, he said he was going to send us another one uh, to address something else, but I don't know if he had time, so this is the one we're going to go with. Carl, if you're listening and you have anything else to say, by all means, you know how to send it in. So here's what Carl had to say. Hi, guys. Uh, it's Carl in Birmingham. Uh, just checking in very quick uh, a couple of points. Um, I'm one episode behind at the moment. Uh, I mean, the UK gets it late enough as it is, but uh, I, uh, I haven't watched episode five. It's on my uh, skybox ready to go. So um, I'm really commenting on uh, your Cherokee Rose episode. Uh, you had a point about the speed of the zombies, and I just wanted to address that because, I yeah, it's been bugging me, actually. Um, and in fact, it's been bugging me since season one because they seem to have put themselves into a bit of a corner with this whole uh, zombies can get up a bit of a jog thing because they seem to only be using it as and when it suits them and um I remember the attack on the camp in episode four of the first season uh they were shambling around really slowly and uh yeah 
you know, when there's one person being chased, there's suddenly Olympic sprinters. It's, uh, yeah, it's very inconsistent. I really hope that they even that out. Uh, the other thing I just wanted to say was, oh my God, the zombie tearing in half was one of the funniest things I think I've ever seen. Maybe that makes me sick, but seriously, when it's split in half, wow, just, just wow. Uh, for TV, that was unbelievable. And uh, the fact they filled that bloaty zombie with maggots, what a nice little touch. It was lovely. Uh, if I'd been eating, I may have felt sick, but it was amazing. Uh, there we go. Just wanted to uh, phone in those quick uh, quick thoughts. So, uh, yeah, keep, keep up the show. Great work. I'll uh, speak to you later. Bye-bye. Speaking of zombie speed, Carl was jogging while he sent that, recorded that. Really? No, he told me he was walking his dog. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, so what do you think, Jason, about the speed of the zombies? We've seen a number of different zombie speeds seemingly unrelated to the zombie's level of decomposition, which is how I tend to explain it. If their legs are falling off, they can't go really that fast. Well, Bicycle Girl didn't get up and run, <clears throat> right? No. She didn't get on a bike and ride after Rick. <laughs> well, he stole her bike, so... And then he shot her right in the face. So, uh, yeah, well, I don't know. Zombie, zombie speeds in the show so far have been inconsistent, and there's no real... Uh, I think that a fast shamble is what they said they would do, but mm-hmm. uh, there was some pretty running zombies yeah i i i think we've seen some everything from you know slow lurching to um moderate running almost you know yeah those zombies that were chasing uh shane and otis in the fema place were pretty fast it seemed like they're pretty fast and you know the ones in season one when rick and glenn were covered in guts those zombies once they figured out that you know these two weren't zombies they seem to be fairly fast, too, and they were climbing that fence. Right. So we've got some fairly agile zombies here. You know one thing that uh, and I didn't mention <clears throat> it on the show, and it, it occurred to me when Sophia came out of the barn, mm-hmm. right, and she was actually stepping over all the other zombies that were on the ground, mm-hmm. that struck me as, you know, very, you know, she was very capable of deciding where to put her feet so that she wouldn't fall down. And I thought that was uh, kind of an interesting thing as well. Yeah, that's totally related to this too because you you often see in zombie movies and stuff like that, if there's an obstruction on the ground or there are other zombies that have been killed, a zombie coming behind it will just trip over them and fall down. Right. Right, completely mindless. They just move and fall down and whatever. You know, they'll walk into a wall and keep trying to go straight and not turn. The zombies on The Walking Dead aren't like that. No, they do carry residual <clears throat> memories, though. So I think that uh, this, this plays into that whole thing. They they do have a memory of uh, performing certain actions mm-hmm. and apparently running and opening doors yep. and various things. And stepping over other dead bodies. Yeah. So, I don't know. A little bit more consistency, I think, would be nice if I had my way. But that said, I mean... They're trying slightly to tell faster. a story. Yeah, they're, they're trying to tell a story, and slightly faster, slightly slower. Sometimes, I I think I can kind of live with it. Yeah, it's I think it's more important for them to tell the story with as much drama as they can uh, they can creatively put on the screen, uh, rather than uh, consistency in the uh, and that would get boring after a while if zombies could only shamble. Yeah, you know, so it's like yeah, okay, oh no, they're coming. You know that scene in. Uh, uh, Austin Powers, when he, he's driving the uh, the steamroller and there's a guy yelling, right. no! <laughs> and then he's like way in front of the steamroller yelling and screaming. Right. No! Notoriously slow steamrollers. That's right. <laughs> yeah. It would get to that point 
eventually, right? And we'd have our characters, you know, always being injured and not being able to outrun the zombies or something. It would get old fast. Yeah. Oh, no, the twig stuck in my foot, and I'm tangled up in grass and stuff. I can't get away from the <laughs> I zombie. I stubbed my toe, and there's a zombie eight meters over there. What oh, will we do? I stepped in a puddle. Now I have to change my socks. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get into some emails. Right. Our first one comes from Monica in Texas, and she writes in about Rick. She says, at the end of this episode, the last one, I was reminded of season one, episode one. Rick has to shoot the little girl in the head in the opening scene. We know he has it in him. Shane wasn't with Rick until he made it to the camp. He has no idea what he is truly capable of. He doesn't kill because he is angry. He kills to be compassionate and for survival. Mm -hmm. Now, this is interesting here because I read somewhere online, someone came up with a crazy theory, and I apologize, I don't remember where I heard this, but someone came up with a crazy theory that that scene from the opening of season one yeah we all assumed that that takes place sometime between when rick you know leaves the hospital he parts ways with morgan and Dwayne, gets the police car and he's driving to atlanta and that scene takes place somewhere during that drive before he gets to atlanta yeah what if that scene takes place well in the future long after the zombie apocalypse has been ongoing for some time, long after Rick has killed numerous people, including lots of little girls, or at least one other one, and he has become desensitized to it because although he seemed upset about doing it, he certainly didn't seem to hesitate or try to run away or do anything else in that scene. He was perfectly ready and capable to shoot that little girl in the head. Yes, he was. He would also, at that point... Uh, have to take the hat away from Carl, and he'd have to start wearing his uh, his sheriff's uniform again. He would. And he would have to get it cleaned and pressed. Okay. And find a cop car. Not necessarily the same uniform if his family is all dead. You know, I would he, he probably... He goes crazy and irons his clothes all the time now? Who knows? I'm just saying. What if that was... What if that's the, the end of the Walking Dead TV show right there. That's that, the final that, scene. That's a very interesting theory. Can you imagine if that was the case? No. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> Frankly, I think no. It, I think it would be really, really nice, but I just think there's, uh, if they did, you know, include that in the in the final episode of, you know, the final scene of the entire show and after they've gone seven years and they've decided, okay, this is our eighth season and then we're just going to call it quits and they have that as the final episode or final scene, I think that would be... Uh, I think there's a lot of things that have to happen in order for that to occur. A lot of things can happen. Including, uh, you know, maybe he finds a whole new uniform. Maybe That's... he stumbles across another uh, uh, police station near where his uh, his home was, and he just goes, okay, well, I need a new hat and a new shirt and a new car. And Well, that's what I mean. Like, maybe he's, he's you know, so much has happened that he's completely gone insane or reverted back to what he thinks his life was before this zombie outbreak. I could uh, I could actually get on board with that. If we actually have all of that kind of stuff occur, you know, and then he just kind of shows up and goes, yep, another little girl, shoot her in the face. I've done this before. Yeah. You know, I've killed hundreds of people now, including lots of children, zombies. Right. She got a teddy bear. So what? Yeah, so what? <laughs> Anyways, crazy theory. Um, but to Monica's point, uh, yeah, Rick knows what he's doing. He kills to be compassionate and for survival, not because he's angry or upset all the time. Right. At least sometimes. 
All right, so our next email is from Jennifer from an unknown location or a secret location. Yeah. Uh, she uh, wrote in about uh, Shane being alive. I've just started reading the graphic novels too, and I'm really liking the way that the TV show kept Shane on to represent the darker side that Rick uh, went to in the books. It's like Shane and Rick are two sides of one coin. It makes it easier to visualize on TV than having Rick being conflicted uh, in his own mind. Right. I mean, you can... Uh, she's probably right. You can kind of portray that in a graphic form a little bit better. Uh, things like, you know, well, things like talking to to people that aren't really there. Yep. Stuff like that kind of thing. Um, a little more difficult to do on TV. Um, not necessarily hard, because if you'll remember, Hurley spent a lot of time talking to Charlie on Lost. Yeah. <laughs> after he was dead. Everybody that died. Well, that's true, I suppose. Including that guy that may not have been around ever. But it is a good, um, it is a good balance here. We have good and evil staring each other in the face, kind of thing here yep. with Rick and Shane. So, I think there's lots of good stuff to uh, explore between the two of them. Yeah, and it's a good analogy. Two sides of the same coin. Yeah, I think it's interesting. All right, Beth from also in a secret location writes in about dog wrangling poles shooting Sophia. Now, she says the poles used to wrangle the zombies are called catch poles. Oh, excellent. Thank you for that. Catch. K-E-T-C-H. I am not sure if that's a brand name or if it's just a word, but that's what they're called, apparently. Catch pole. Never heard of it. She goes on to say, on the behind the scenes about the scenes with Sophia, it was said that they are not allowed to show children being shot at point-blank range and that the scene would work similar to the opening scene on season one where you see Rick with a gun and you see the little girl get shot and fall back. But you do not see Rick firing the gun and the girl being shot all in the same frame. I went back and checked. That is, in fact, true. Hmm. However, upon watching the show again, you do see Rick firing and Sophia being shot in the same frame. You do. After showing him raise his weapon and then showing Sophia continuing to move closer, they pan back and show the actual shot. Wow. I went back and looked at that, and in fact, you do too. That's true. So I don't know what changed. I don't know either. Yeah, who knows? Uh, if if that's a rule, and, and I watched that behind the scenes too about, about that, and the director does say you can't show the the child being shot in the same frame well you know who says you can't you know is it the producers at amc <clears throat> is it uh gail ann heard that's saying no you can't do that and then in season two she went yeah fine whatever i don't care well you got to figure it's something like it's some greater authority you know like the um what's it called in the states the fcc the federal i don't know the the I don't know whatever the people like the CRTC but the, for the, the ratings US. people, <laughs> well the CRTC is the Canadian Radio and Television Communications Commission or something like that, and yeah. they they make all the rules for broadcasters in Canada. Right. The U.S. has the FCC. You're asking me. I don't know the answer. All right. Well, let's say that's what it is. But they have a set of rules, and I assumed this is what they were referring to. You can't show a child being shot on TV. I wonder if that's like there's like a point form of a whole bunch of rules that you can't what you can and can't do on TV, and one of them is you can't shoot a little girl point blank, blank in the face on TV. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I, I, that's what I assume, but they did it anyway, and seemed and got away with it because maybe, it went to broadcast. Maybe they uh, they had a whole bunch of lawyers show up at the uh, the FCC and say, uh, you know what, we really do want to shoot a little girl in the face on TV in one frame, mm -hmm. and they went, uh, yeah, it's a zombie show. Sure, go ahead. 
Yeah, that's true. If it's a she, zombie. She's not alive. Maybe that's the difference. She's not a living human being. She's a zombie. Well, you remember in, uh, do you remember in 1967 uh, when uh, Kirk, well, I wasn't there. When Kirk kissed Uhura? <laughs> It was the first black white kiss on television. I do know what you're referring to. And the, how they got around the fact that uh, it was a, a black woman kissing a white man was that it was a dream sequence. Really? Yes. So you can... So there are all kinds of stupid loopholes. Yeah, it use. never really happened. It's a dream sequence. So this might be skirting that kind of thing because it's, you know, she's not alive. She's a zombie. She's not alive. She's a zombie. I could see that. Yeah. Maybe that's what it is. There you go. So you're allowed to shoot zombie children on TV. Everybody remember that. In the face. In the face, or I guess anywhere. Uh, okay, where are we? We're uh, Justin from Oregon. Oregon? Oregon. Uh, on Rick's actions during the final scene. <clears throat> I had a different interpretation of the final scene that you did, so I thought I'd get your opinions. And, and in the show, talking uh, the Talking Dead podcast number 62, you said that Rick wanted Herschel to take the stick so he could uh, help shoot the zombies. Take the stick? The, the catch pole. Oh, the catch pole, right. Yes. Uh, instead, I think he wanted to try and stop Shane from opening the barn door in the first place. In my mind, Rick is trying to defend Herschel's beliefs because he will do whatever is necessary <clears throat> to stay at the farm. If he wanted to help join the shooting line, he would have just let go of the zombie, drawn his weapon, and shot it himself. It's true. Shooting Sophia in the end was Rick's way of showing the group uh, the consequences of their actions. If they're going to treat Herschel zombies like animals, then they have to treat their, uh, their zombies like animals as well. Yeah. So I went back and watched this again. And um, he does. Rick does do most of his yelling at Shane before Shane <clears throat> actually opens the barn doors. Right. He's telling him to quit it, not you know, do anything else. Right. So it's a, it's a really good point. I think that's a, a valid interpretation of what was going on there. Why Rick could have easily have just pulled out the gun and shot the zombie in front of him. That's why, right. why wouldn't he have done that? He was defending Herschel's views more than anything else. That's true. Because Rick knows how important it is that they stay there for a while. It is. Yeah. And that's what he was trying to do. He was trying to politically salvage the situation. Well, and that's why the whole, that's exactly what he was doing the whole time, trying to help Herschel wrangle these zombies because why would he do that otherwise, right? It seems, it kind of seems ridiculous that, you know, Rick knows how dangerous they are and he knows he's not cool with the zombies in the barn. Yet, as soon as Herschel comes along and says, we got some in the swamp, come and help me bring them into the barn, Rick goes and does it, no questions asked. Right. He just wants to stay. Yeah. So interesting there. Uh, Robert from No Location about the portal reference. I agree with you about the portal reference. <laughs> <laughs> talking to me perfect chris <laughs> uh, that was out of place the thing that makes the show and the comics so good is that you can look at this with a detached alternate reality sort of thinking if they start doing britney spears walker stuff i'm not going to watch anymore <laughs> and uh someone called cj thrasher good name <laughs> by the way yeah very good name. also emailed in about the portal reference and said if it were any other game, I would say it was just product placement. But Portal is the one game that has been s such an odd pop culture phenomenon that I would qualify it as a shout-out to all us geeks who know video games. It also helps that Portal's maker, Valve, made the two Left for Dead games. Right. Which are zombie-related games. You've played them, right? Uh, I've played part of both of them. All right. Well, that counts as playing. The first part. <clears throat> Uh, but back to the first, back to Robert's email, he said, if they start doing Britney Spears Walker stuff, I'm not going to watch anymore. 
this is something we've talked about too. We don't want to see the football player zombie and the rock star zombie and right. all that kind of stuff. And the thriller dancing zombies. <laughs> well, dancing zombies. At least well, they're I'd... not stereotypes. That's well, they are because they're thriller dancing zombies. Okay, I mean, if they start doing so. the thriller thing, everybody's gonna know that's thriller, <laughs> right? Yes, especially if the music's playing. Yeah, well, I'll start singing if they do it. But uh, we agree wholeheartedly that we don't want to see those typical zombie types. Um, but the portal reference still bugs me, and I wish it wasn't there. But I can live with it. I think it's okay. Yeah, I, I guess so. I mean, this takes place in the real world. Uh, except for the zombies. <laughs> so, except for that, know. yeah. Well, they have video games. I, I would assume, right. you know, alternate realities have to have have a common starting point, right? Or else they're just completely different weird things and they're all gelatinous oozes rolling around with dead gelatinous oozes attacking them. Right? <laughs> no, it's, of course, the show has to be relatable to our reality. We just don't need video game references in a non-video game related TV show to do that. It would be silly if there were no video game references in a show, say, like um, that one that you like that I don't. Um, with the kids and they're all nerds. Oh, Big Bang Theory. Big Bang Theory, yeah. That, that you know, video game references in a show like that, perfectly okay. That's right. Walking Dead, And they play Halo much. and they play uh, <laughs> Rock Band and all kinds of stuff like that. So they do reference video games and pop culture all the time. Sure. And there it's completely appropriate because these are the people they are. Right. Walking Dead, I don't know. They got bigger problems than to s- throw out video game references. So they're going to start talking about zombie movies, do you think? Well, I don't think they can do that either because I don't think zombies exist in this world as a thing before the real zombies show up. It never happened. You notice that? Rarely does it happen. Yeah, so zombies don't exist in zombie movies until zombies exist. <clears throat> How's that right. for a tongue twister and a mind bender? Try it again. <clears throat> All right, so we got an email from Carrie from Georgia on real-life gun training. This is something we talked about in a previous episode about in real life. We were talking about having Carl being too young to be introduced to a gun. Right. She's got some thoughts on it. Okay, good. Uh, You asked in passing how young folks start training uh, kids on guns uh, and (coughs) in parts of the states. I'm in Georgia. We have a 10-year-old son and a 12-year-old daughter. It's part of life that we do have guns around us uh, here. Hunting is still a way of life, and and the prevailing feeling is that a child that is unfamiliar with a gun is a child that can discover a gun and have a terrible accident. Uh, It's a scary truth that kids are, uh, are here... Let's start that again. It's a scary thought that kids around here might someday find real loaded guns. Our kids are both introduced to guns uh, when they were big enough to uh, possibly heft a gun. They weren't taught to shoot then, uh, but they were taught guns respect and safety. We, mostly my husband, hubby, uh, have made it part of our parenting to continue to teach them gun safety, and now my son is interested in learning to shoot. He's learning in his uh, Cub Scout group and also with his daddy. I understand this all might sound archaic and violent and crazy, but the point is that it is not completely unrealistic plot point that everybody at camp in Georgia would be cool with a 10-year-old learning to wield a weapon. Okay, I am certainly not going to sound that say that this sounds archaic, violent, or crazy, but I, it's not something that I have been had any familiarity with in my life. Right. Probably because I live in Canada. Right. And that's just the way it is. There are not that many guns here. I have, you know, I'm in my 
30s. I don't know that I've ever seen a real handgun in real life. Right. Even in a, well, even in a store. Like, I've seen rifles and stuff like that and crossbows and so on. But handgun, I don't think so. I'm on the other side of that fence. I have uh, fired a, uh, a weapon. I do own a couple of uh, firearms. I don't have them in my home right now. They're still up with my mom. But uh, I do know how to handle a weapon. I, do, I have gone through uh, gun safety training. I, I was in the, uh, the reserves when I was 17, 18, when I first learned to fire uh, rifles. Mm-hmm. And uh, I absolutely agree with you that uh, a first step in gun safety is... Uh, learning how to handle them and learning to respect them. Absolutely. Well, you have to. And uh, I fully intend that when uh, the firearms do come into my home, that I'm going to show them to you, and I'm going to teach you how to pick one up safely without uh, worrying whether or not it's loaded. You pick it up and you assume it's loaded first, and then you do the uh, the actions to prove <coughs> that it's not. Now, I, I don't want to go down a huge rat hole here, but, um, you know, it, it'll, it'll be weird. Are you allowed to teach me something like that? Yeah, you can handle them. You just can't own them or acquire them. So I, I'm allowed to pick up a gun having never taken the course, never even, you know, even in, in Canada? Yeah, but presumably you wouldn't be alone because you can't acquire them or own them. Right. So you wouldn't be alone in, uh, in handling them for the first time. Okay. And presumably that if you are in somebody's house by yourself, that, uh, that where there are firearms, that they're proper, properly locked up and you wouldn't have access to them. Right. Because that's part of the law in Canada is that you have to, there's all kinds of strict laws on how to uh, store and lock firearms. Frankly, I would have no interest in being alone with them anyways. Right. Um, the funny thing about this is that, you know, we speak from the perspective of um, city life, urban Canada. Right. You know? There is an awful lot of hunting. Uh, Carrie in Georgia says hunting is a way of life down there. There's an awful lot of hunting that takes place in Canada. Oh, in Canada, yeah. An awful lot. Yes. More so than many other countries. Um, And, of course, they use guns. And, you know, everyone who lives out in the wilderness probably owns a rifle or something like that. Right. You know, handguns are what? um, Restricted. Restricted? Yeah, there's three categories of firearms in Canada. There's uh, unrestricted, restricted, and prohibited. Unrestricted are long guns, uh, rifles, and shotguns. You still have to have a license, but they're not restricted. Right. Uh, Restricted means uh, in order to get that kind of license, you have to have a reason for having that kind of license. Like you're a police officer. Like you're a police officer or, uh, you know, you want to belong to a shooting club. I mean, they're pretty lax on, you know, what the reasons are, but you have to have a reason. And you, uh, so you have to go through a separate training and separate uh, testing in order to get that particular uh, license. Uh, Prohibited is stuff like machine guns and uh, automatic weapons. weapons. You can't buy those. Right. And civilians can't buy those. Probably a good thing. I think it's a good thing. <clears throat> so, anyhow, uh, Carrie, thanks for sending in all that information. It's a, it's a world that... You know, I have little experience with my gut instinct. I'll I'll put it out there right now is that ten and twelve year old kids feels young to me. Even it, even to be learning about about gun uh, gun safety and everything like that. I guess you have to start somewhere. But but hey, if that's the way it is, I can respect that as a thing. It feels young to me too. I was seventeen before <laughs> I ever uh, handled a firearm. Right before I was taught to safely handle one. Uh, so you know. 10 or 11 or 12 feels young, but I agree with you that, uh, you know, teach that gun safety early so that if they do for some 
unknown reason come across a loaded weapon, which hopefully never ever can happen, let alone does happen, mm-hmm. uh, that uh, they know how to handle them safely. You don't, you do not pick up a firearm without proving that it's unloaded. All right. You assume it's loaded and then unload it. I look forward to your gun handling training course. Crash someday. course, yeah. Toby from New Zealand writes in on the search for Sophia and counting bullets. He says, if we are digging for holes, Patricia feeding the barn zombies may have seen Sophia. Good point. Or you'd think at least one of Herschel's group would have checked for her while Rick's group was out spending time searching. Herschel's group knows there's zombies in the barn. Why not just go take a look, you know? Uh. Um, Especially since Otis used to do all the zombie farming, and, you know, maybe Sophia is a good little lurker and just hung off, hung out in the corner somewhere underneath the hay bales or something. Who knows? Zombie collecting. <clears throat> Toby also says, Shane shot off nine bullets into Herschel's zombie, Lou. That's apparently the zombie that Herschel had on the catch pole. Oh, yeah. Lou. And then at least another nine plus into the barn zombies. Not that I'm counting. <laughs> That's a lot. Uh, Yeah, so uh, he finishes quickly with Daryl's flaming shotgun. Whoa, legendary. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, so let's say Shane shot 18 rounds. That's a lot for a handgun. It really, 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 really is. We can assume that he reloaded at some point? I I assume so. I assume he's very, very fast. There were five people standing there shooting, so he might have had time to take a break to drop... Uh, clip and put another one in yeah i mean they uh i've when i was okay we're gonna go back to gun training when i was not in my, too long not too long <laughs> in the course that i was taking in order to get the uh the, the license that i have they showed a video of um uh, shooting on a range uh, you know like the police officers they go from uh, station to station and they shoot tar- shoot at targets paper targets they have this uh, competition where you shoot as many paper targets as you possibly can and these guys that do this are scary fast and when they drop a clip a magazine and reload another one it is so fast you can barely see it yeah and as we know shane is the best gun instructor that rick's ever seen i'm just going to assume that he has the highest skill level of any firearms expert on the planet and the fact that uh, when you cut away to see uh, rick doing something and when you cut back to shane he's already reloaded i don't see why not (laughs) if he's that good Works for me. Yeah. Super <laughs> how, fast. How many rounds do, does a gun like that hold? Oh, they vary. I mean, it can go from anywhere. Average. From, uh, 7 to 15. Okay. So but the 15-round clip would, like, stick out the bottom of the, pistol, the the grip, though. Okay. And we didn't see that. And those are way illegal in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, what are we doing something next year? Brian from Cincinnati. Uh, his feelings about the last episode. This last episode was pretty weak, in my opinion. I think the characters are just starting to bug me, uh, mainly Dale, uh, Rick, and Old Man Herschel. <laughs> old Man Herschel. <laughs> old Man Herschel. Dale trying to hide uh, the guns was so ridiculous. Uh, I was hoping Shane would drop drop him in the woods. Does that mean shoot him, I, I guess? I guess so. Uh, and the whole capturing the walkers in the swamp was comical. Shane was a prick, but he's the most realistic. He's a realistic prick. Yep. Uh, the show needs to get back to how it was in season one. Too much lame drama this season. Oh, yeah. one. Uh, no, oh, yeah. No one cares if carrots were off color. Yeah, you complained about the carrots last episode. They were episode. off color. 
Um, is that wrong though? It's like our, anyway, nobody wrote in about the what somebody did, and okay. I should have put it in here. Uh, so I apologize for not knowing your name right now in front of me. But someone did write in about the carrots and said that it's hot as hell in uh, Georgia. Yeah, and not a lot of rainfall, so the ground is really dry. So vegetables and carrots don't grow very well in the ground, and okay. they kind of come out ugly looking. Okay, sweet. Okay, good. So problem solved. Problem solved. And answered. That's good. Good to know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but Brian doesn't really like this episode. He's one of the people that really thinks that this one is lame. If I'm not mistaken, this is the same Brian from last week who called you out on the zombie being uh, in the pharmacy. Right. And you thought it was just hanging out there. So anyways, Brian doesn't like the episode. We've kind of already talked about our thoughts on it being more talky than more actiony. Yeah. And you need both. Yeah. L- let's talk more rock. Let's talk more rock. Finally, Mark from Toronto, hometown Toronto here on uh, protection and our personal zombie plans. This one, excellent. Hopefully, we won't go too deep into. But he says in season one, when Rick encounters Glenn and crew at the department store, they were wearing bits and pieces of thick clothing and welding masks to protect themselves. My holy crap moment is that every second after that, they take off the gear. Why doesn't anyone think to wear protective gear such as salvaged sporting goods like football or motocross equipment? Sports equipment is light, breathable, durable, and offers more protection than, say, Daryl's bare arms. (laughs) (laughs) In the comics, they use salvaged prison riot gear for a short period. So before we get on to the second part of his email, it's kind of a good point. It is. Why not grab, you know, a pair of football shoulder pads or hockey pants or something? No zombie's going to immediately bite through that. Well, just go get a uh, a thick denim jacket. Like, sure, it's hot. I understand that. But if you knowingly going into a swamp to deal with zombies, wear something that they can't, you know, a human can't easily bite through. Then again, you don't want to overheat and pass out from heat exhaustion. No. But good point. Wear a shirt. Yeah. A long sleeve shirt. Just start there. Start there. It, it at least offers a little bit of protection, you know? Yeah, you know, humans don't have great teeth for biting through things. No. We got good teeth for grinding up stuff, and that's, pro- that's partly why we uh, cook our meat, so that we can grind it up easier. Right. Uh, so, you know, biting through uh, a thick, long sleeve jacket of some kind is really difficult. And I've been bitten by people before in a jacket, and <laughs> sure, it creates a really nasty welt and a big bruise, but they did not break the skin. No, exactly. Even through just like a cotton shirt. Yeah. Yeah. So good point. I mean, everyone stays pretty much clothed in this, although everyone's wearing short sleeves all the time. Um, Except for Maggie. She wears the long sleeves? No, she took her clothes off. Oh, yeah. Everybody else stays clothed, but except for her, she was (laughs) shedding clothes left, right, and center. She took the top off there a couple times. Um so yeah, definitely a good point. I think if I could find, get my hands on, say, some hockey equipment or football gear or anything like that, it couldn't hurt. A catcher's mask. Oh, that'd be nice. <laughs> well, that might be more of a hindrance because you have to look through that grate the whole time. Well, they do throw it off when they have to find a ball. That's that's true. Yeah. Hockey mask would be worse, but look cooler. Hey, yeah. that would. Oh, you could paint that sucker up. Look like a zombie <clears throat> yourself and get shot maybe from a distance. Bad idea. <laughs> So Mark goes on to say, what are your Zompocalypse emergency plans? Who would you save? What supplies would you have on hand? And what would you need to survive? Where would you go? Are you familiar with firearms such as C7, C8, or C9? Uh, you maybe. I'm not. I, I know don't... what a C7 is. I don't know what a C8 and a C9 is. I have no idea. So really quickly, because um, we could probably do a whole episode on zombie apocalypse preparedness. Yep. Uh, and we did a few weeks ago learn about... 
preppers 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 who 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 that's not a zombie apocalypse plan no it's just a you know have a 72 hour bag and right enough food to last a couple weeks it's a general disaster plan but it applies for zombie apocalypse too right um but quickly to answer his questions uh, i have poor emergency plans i do have the odd idea of where you know, a store would be that I could get camping equipment. Costco? You just head up to Costco? It's pretty close. Oh, uh, Costco's pretty close. Um, but there's another place even farther that has weapons, too, which is the only place I know around here to get weapons. Is that the Von Mills Mall? Yeah, it's that, a little far, though. Is there a grocery store in that mall? No, but there's a food court. Okay, because a, gro- a mall with a couple a, of food courts. Mall with a with a a camping store and a grocery store would be exceedingly ha- handy. The problem about that mall is it's far too expansive there's too many doors it's too long and open there's too much area to lock down too full of people too too full of people as well um who would i save well my family if i could but i have young children which is a massive hindrance in the zombie apocalypse so we'd we'd be screwed um and uh that's it i have as we've talked about this episode i have no experience with firearms so i'd be pretty screwed i think I don't have any specific plans. I do have some camping equipment at home. You would fare better than me because you have the equipment. You don't have kids. You've shot guns. I mean, you're doing. I'm coming to your house. Well, I man. don't have any. I don't have any firearms here. Like I said, they're all currently up with uh, with my mom still. Yeah, but you, if you found a gun, you'd know what to do with it. That's true. I'd pick it up, shoot myself in the foot. Well, you have to check it to see if it's loaded first. Thanks. I think we've been over that. <laughs> <laughs> and point it in a safe direction. That's like rule one. All right. Always control the direction the muzzle is facing and I'm point it gonna, in a safe direction. I'm going to keep it pointed down, and that's why I shoot myself. Oh, yeah, right. Okay, your foot's there. That's fine. You can you can live without a foot. Uh, yeah. I don't. Yeah, like I said, I don't have any specific plans. I do know where a couple of camping stores are and a couple of firearm stores, um, but that's about it. So uh, you might fare better than me, but... We're still screwed. Yeah. I'd go to the mall. I'd save my family. Save my wife. I'd call you, see what you were up to. <laughs> Before the phones go down. Quick. <laughs> yeah. Well, Chris, what are you doing? Maybe you... we can podcast about this. Yeah. Bring a portable recorder. <laughs> We'd be... <laughs> Bring a TV. We'd be the zombie apocalypse <laughs> podcast. The only one. <laughs> hey, that'd be great. Why not? Covering the apocalypse. Hi, this is Chris and Jason from Apocalypse Radio. You're on the air. Go ahead. <laughs> Help me, I can't get out of here. I'm stuck inside the house. What am I going to do? Yeah, you're hooped, buddy. Next caller. Good luck with that. (laughs) All right, speaking of being hooped, that's all for listener feedback. We're quickly going to do this before we wrap it up. Holy crap. Did you see that? Holy crap, I saw that. Now, we don't have our choices this week ourselves because we typically choose for the episode that we just watched. Since there wasn't one, we don't have any. But we do have a few emails from listeners who have chosen moments for this segment. The first one comes from Josh in Massachusetts. He says, I've got a holy crap, did you see that moment? On my second viewing of Pretty Much Dead Already, I noticed that after Sophia emerges from the barn, she stands there for a few seconds tugging on the hem of her shirt. It looked to me like a nervous tick. It's like when I'm stressed and I tend to rub my hands together. They might have been trying to convey that there is still a glimmer of Sophia in there somewhere, that deep under the zombie exterior is a scared little girl. It reminded me of the pilot episode where the other girl was walking past a teddy bear and stopped to pick it up. That is decidedly unzombie-like behavior. Maybe there are different levels of zombiehood, and some have it worse than others. That would explain the odd behavior of the RV inspector. That's become a thing, because people are starting to refer to the RV inspector. Awesome. <laughs> um, and Morgan's wife as well. Sophia was also the only walker to react to the bright sunlight coming out of the barn. Good point. She kind of did squint her eyes a little bit. 
I recognize that I'm probably reading uh, into this stuff too much, but the moments when a walker shows signs of humanity are always intriguing me, always intrigued me. The idea that you could be a zombie but still be somewhat conscious of what's going on makes the concept even more terrifying. You, my initial thought is, oh, crap, what if Herschel's right? Mm. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Uh, and what if that's, they just murdered all those people? And that's not something we've ever really considered. <laughs> no. You know? What if they're curable? <laughs> oh, my God. Herschel's right. But then again, there's there's strong arguments for both sides, like Shane shooting Lou nine times. I don't know. People on PCP can get shot a couple of times without uh, noticing it. I mean, you shoot them. Sure, they're going to take a, a, a chest wound, but maybe they won't go down immediately. <clears throat> Because they don't feel it. If you don't have any feelings whatsoever, you're not going to go down until you've bled enough that your body can no longer function. That's PCP makes you have no feelings. Uh, yeah, the, the TV PCP does. I don't know what real PCP does, but <laughs> do you know what it even stands for? Uh, post. No, I don't have any clue. I don't think it's post. It's a drug name. I know it's a drug name. <laughs> I don't right. have a clue. But uh, you can take drugs that completely numb your body so you can't feel what's going on you can hurt yourself pretty badly with that no i i have a high threshold of pain i hurt myself on a regular basis i looked down the last two weeks ago i looked at my thumb it was bleeding and i'm like how the hell did i do that i have no clue how i cut my thumb okay well what if herschel's right what if herschel's right back to that <laughs> you what they have to do is they have to start a regiment of experimentation of course shoot a zombie and see what happens after a couple hours i guess so that's what jenner should have been focusing on maybe yeah maybe yeah screw this cure stuff let's just you know map the disease so brian writes in he says i'm surprised that you didn't talk about the scene in the swamp where dale talks about shane shooting otis in the leg how did he know about that dale is the guy who finds things out so i was not I was not surprised that he would have figured out something was off about Shane's story, but shooting him in the leg was very specific, and Dale shouldn't have any way of knowing whether Shane uh, shot Otis or pushed him off a wall or kicked him in the knee. Something just doesn't add up here. He did. I thought he was just general. I am not sure, to be honest, if Dale said, you shot Otis. I know what happened. I know that your story doesn't add up. Or or shot him in the leg specifically. Yeah. Yeah, he says, I know something feels off about your story. I know it didn't go down like you said it did. Yeah. <clears throat> but I am not sure if Dale actually referred to shooting him or shooting him in the leg more specifically. We need confirmation on the... I think we have to go back and rewatch that conversation. I think it's probably a good idea. But if he did... Yeah, that's a little bit crazy. There's no way Dale would know that unless he's just taking a shot in the dark, so to speak. <laughs> shot <laughs> no, in the leg. No in the pun dark. intended, yeah. Uh, yeah, that would be, uh, that's pretty specific. Even if, uh, you know, Dale went back to the to the FEMA camp and found him, well, you know, braving all the zombies, the chances of uh, him going, uh, that big pile of mess and blood and gore that's been chewed up by, you know, 20, 30 zombies. Yep, there it is. Bullet wound in the leg. Yep, I knew it. Not likely. <laughs> no, not likely. So uh, that would be kind of a crazy thing if that was actually true. But we'll go back and check it out and watch because... Dale's psychic. Maybe he's psychic. Dale's psychic. That's it. He's uh, Sookie Stackhouse. He can read minds. Yeah, they're going to introduce shapeshifters and fairies. Werewolves, and man. Werewolves. And liches. And, and, yeah. Yeah. William. Skeletons, walking skeletons, and zombies and stuff. Oh, not zombies. What do you call those? Uh, yeah, there's going to be a zombie. We'll have everything stuff. but zombies. Uh, like the ones wrapped in linen. You know, the Egyptian Mummies. Zo- mummies, that's it. 
William from Texas writes in and says, My holy crap, did you see that moment is the walker that Glenn dispatches in the pharmacy. The way it looked and moved after it got up the second time was awesome. This episode gave us plenty of zombie headshot kills, uh, but they gave us one that was really unique and distinct. I believe it may tie the teabag walker as the most impressive of this half of the season. Hopefully Greg Nicotero will give us another before the hiatus. Or, hey, anytime in the future. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but it's good. It was kind of cool because that zombie got half of his head chopped off by the metal shelf. Yep. And then it was sort of hanging off sideways before um, Glenn hacked him with the machete. Re- remembered machete. With the shit Yeah, that machete, was pretty yeah. cool with the head hanging off sideways and all dangly. It was really done well. That must have been a like a special effect, eh? Well, At, I would assume so. Not a practical effect? You can't well, half chop someone's neck off. Not, can you le- do, not legally. Can you do... And you can't, well, I don't know enough about this, but you can't do makeup so it looks like it, can you? No, it was, uh, I think it was a special effect. I don't think it was a practical effect. You can see right through, like those shots where someone gets shot in the chest with a shotgun and the camera goes, looks through them. Yeah, that's pretty cool. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think we'll see that on this show. No, I don't think so either. But uh, yeah, and legally you can't do that to a person. Nope. Just, Just for a TV show. Maybe a dummy. Maybe for a movie. But it'd have to be a big budget movie. A huge. Yeah. Like the new Mission Impossible movie. They didn't I, have the budget for that. I agree to get shot through the chest. Or George Lucas. Lucas could pay somebody to do that. But he wouldn't do it because he makes all his movies for his kids now. So, Yeah. But he, he could afford it, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I bought that guy. I can do whatever <clears throat> I want with him. Okay. That is it for Holy Crap. Did you see that? Keep them coming, though, everybody. If you rewatch or you see something that you didn't see before and you and you say, Holy Crap, did you see that? Even if there was no one around. We're always around. So send it in to us and we'll throw it up there. Holy crap, right in. On the podcast. Holy crap. All right. Before we wrap up today, I just want to remind everyone that in two weeks on the 19th, we'll be doing our Rise of the Governor review. So if you have any comments or thoughts about that book, send them in Mm because we'll incorporate them into that show. And then on January the 9th, we will do a listener prediction episode for... Any predictions you want to make? The second half of season two, season three, or beyond. Mm-hmm. Um, so get those in. We'll remind you again when we do the Rise of the Governor, Governor review. We're going to spoil the hell out of that, right? What? The Rise of the Governor. Yes, we are. We're but... not just going to review it saying, yeah, it was a good book. I really enjoyed it. There was some uh, you know, dialogue <clears throat> that I liked. There will, be, there will be a great amount of spoilers for Rise of the Governor in the next podcast, but I'll remind everyone at the beginning of that show. Okay, good. Uh, because... Yeah, you kind of have to. So that is it. Thanks, everyone, for listening. If you want to send us in any of your comments for Holy Crap, Did You See That? or the Rise of the Governor show, by all means, send us a voicemail at 1-866-483-ZOMB. That's 1-866-483-9662. It is a toll-free voicemail line, so you don't have to talk to us, and you don't have to pay anything. We will not answer the phone. It's perfect. Um, you can also email us at talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at talkingdead or facebook.com slash the talking dead. Uh, everybody get out there and start liking us on Facebook. We want to get more likes than Jason and Karen from the Walking Dead cast. Absolutely. Um, again, all in good fun, everybody. So let's, uh, let's yeah. not, nobody be mean. We don't, just, we're don't, not, we don't want that. Don't like us for hate. <laughs> Like us for fun. Like us for fun. So there you go. So for a couple of weeks, until next time, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. This has been The Talking Dead, and we'll see you in two weeks. Bye.